I'm Drew Barrymore, and you're listening to The Ravens Podcast with Simon and Dom. Hello and welcome to The Ravens, a One Tree Hill movie and TV show podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Dom. And tonight's movie for debate is 1996's Scream. So hello and welcome to The Ravens, a One Tree Hill movie and TV show podcast where it is always 10.30 at night, so it's time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard, move on upstairs and settle in as tonight's movie for debate is Scream, Dom, we are here, how are you my friend? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you for asking. And we are joined by friend of the podcast, friend in real life. Sarah is with us. Sarah, how's it going? Hey, guys. It's going good. Hi, Sarah. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to a movie podcast. You are the first person besides Ephany, that has guested with us on a movie episode. I'm glad I've listened to a few of your movie episodes, so that's helpful to me. (laughs) So so you've come to help raise the level, is that what you're trying to say? Sure. 100%. That's it. Ratings through the roof now, just on this one episode. (laughs) High expectations. Well, let's talk about Scream. So... I'm going to talk a little bit about the movie and then I'm actually going to play the audio from the trailer because the trailer has got a great mid-90s aesthetic to it and sound. And uh, yeah, I think it's just worth sharing on our audio platform of our podcast here. And then we'll go into trivia, memories, and then we'll talk about the movie. Hello. Hello. Who is this? You tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. (laughs) I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You're making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh Uh-huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Someone is playing a deadly game. It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Do you like scary movies? What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. Number one, you can never have sex. Hey, who are you? It's me. Never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. You get another beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. He didn't make the rules. The police are always on track. If they watch Palm Night, they save time. He just kills by them. Don't answer the phone. Don't open the door. 
So Scream was released on the 20th of December 1996 and this release date was controversial at the time as that release date is generally reserved for Christmas movies. So Scream would continue to break the norms through its genre-breaking self-awareness and spawning an entire subgenre of teenage self-referential horror slash slasher movies. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later about does this actually fit as a horror movie? Or does it fit in more of like the slasher genre and, and some of those parts? So Scream came in second place at the box office on its opening weekend to... You got a guess there, Dom? 96. Late, like December of 96. What was big in 96? It wasn't another J-Park, was it? No... No, no, no. I think the second Jurassic Park was 97, maybe. But they're usually like the summer Hmm. blockbusters. You got any thoughts, Sarah? I don't remember. I was in college, so... (laughs) God knows what I was drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, believe it or not, Scream came second place opening weekend to Beavis and Butthead Take America. Oh, my God. I did not see that in the theatre. Yeah, I I haven't seen it now (laughs) to this very day. (laughs) However, over the coming weeks, Scream amassed a steady audience and went on to gross over $100 million at the box office. Wow. So though Scream came second to Beavis and Butthead on the opening weekend, I think it is safe to say that Scream won in the long run. With four sequels, a TV show, merchandise, and a Halloween costume that will outlive us all. So, beyond its commercial success, Scream went on to garner a cult following and remains a fan favourite with the latest release of Scream 5, which came out late last year. And I actually watched it last night. Um, And I quite enjoyed it. Sarah, have you seen the sequels? Nope, only... uh, I've seen the 2, 3, and 4. I didn't see the newest one. Right, okay. And did you enjoy the sequels as well as the first one? Yeah, I, yeah, but I think one is the one I remember the most. Got it. Okay. And Dom, have you seen the sequels? Uh, I'm exactly the same as Sarah. I've seen two, three, and four, not seen the fifth one. I have seen the TV series on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, the first one was the one I remember the most, but there's a but to that, but we'll get to that soon. oh okay i look forward to that i've also seen the tv show but only the first season i haven't seen the second season it was pretty good i liked it it was it it is what it is you know yeah it's it's not gonna break records or anything like that it's yeah just watch it for what it is and it's yeah it's like it's like the first film just elongated isn't it really into a series (laughs) Yeah, and sort of put in the the modern the modern setting. Yeah. Um, so Scream was written and created by Kevin Williamson, who our Cape Side Chats listeners will know. He uh, had his breakthrough success into the mainstream of the industry with Scream, and then he went on to be the creator and writer of Dawson's Creek 
as well as Vampire Diaries. So they're two shows that are incredibly big. I mean, we hear those all of the time, Dom, right, on people's top fives of our listeners. So yeah. he has a distinct voice. You know, Williamson has a noticeable style that tends to be actualized in the form of articulate teenagers with cynical perceptions of life and wise and experienced beyond their years. A style that I personally really enjoy and has been though has been imitated over the years, but never with the same quality. As the old saying goes, and most people only talk about the first part of this saying, not the second part, that imitation is the greatest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness. So, you know, there's the reason why Scream is so uh, revered and continues to have a cult following to this day, and some of these other ones don't, you know, like like uh, Urban Legend, I Know What You Did Last Summer, these are all ones that came in that wave afterwards that are kind of... You know, like how you've got a lot of movies that try and imitate Tarantino's style, similar with that. And Williamson's screenplay uh, was brought to life by horror genre great Wes Craven. Craven was becoming increasingly frustrated with the sexism and stereotyping that was prevalent in the horror genre and was excited at the chance to direct a movie that was so self-aware and meta. So I think that's really cool because obviously Wes Craven is known for, uh, you know, everything that he's done in that genre. And so it's cool that he actually found a way of having a new spin on it to help himself with some of the issues that he was having with the genre uh craven went on to direct three scream sequels meaning that the recent scream 5 is the first scream movie to be directed by someone else post craven's passing so rest in peace to him and then the movie's cast so it has a huge cast now but at the time most of these people were relevant relatively unknown nev campbell who was also in the craft that was released in the same year David Arquette as Officer Dewey. He actually originally auditioned for Stu, uh, but asked to read for Dewey. And Dewey was originally like a rugged, muscular guy. Uh, but the casting director loved uh, Arquette's interpretation of the character, making him more sort of human, I guess, or more realistic. Skeet Ulrich as Billy Loomis. Uh, Skeet was also uh, in the craft. And that actually led to uh, Nev Campbell being more interested in doing playing the role because she was happy that he was also going to be uh, starring opposite her and uh, Skeet Ulrich was also in As Good As It Gets in the following year Rose McGowan as uh, Sydney's friend as Tatum um, Nev Campbell's yeah best friend in the movie and she was best known for her role in Charmed which also sometimes creeps on the list Charmed fan Sarah the original one then they then they just redid it like last year or two years ago they they started like reboot it wasn't a reboot it was like a re-envisioned version right but i watched the original okay and dom you've seen like every tv show ever i'm sure you've (laughs) caught an episode of charmed at some point right i haven't seen every tv show but i'm sure there's loads that come up that that get mentioned and i like nope never seen it but i have seen a few episodes of charmed yeah um i remember it i remember one of my cousins loving it and uh long-term raven cat loves it as well it's one of her movie um movie choices tv show choices so yeah oh yeah i've seen a few episodes it's 
you know, witches doing their thing in modern day-ish, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, we've got Matthew Lillard, um, who was Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, is about a paddle, <laughs> shizzle that. Uh, a movie that I love called Finder's Fee, and then, you know, obviously Scream. Uh, Jamie Kennedy, who played Randy, who was basically, his character is every stereotypical blockbuster employee ever. And then finally, of course, Drew Barrymore as the surprising first kill Casey Becker. Now, Barrymore was originally offered the role as of the lead of Sydney, but due to scheduling conflicts could not commit to the full production. And it was reportedly her idea to kill her off in the opening scene citing that the audience would be so thrown that they'd no longer trust the movie or trust Wes Craven as the director and it would build suspense and this is a move that could be argued to have set the whole franchise on fire and an opening scene that is up there as one of if not the best opening scenes from a slasher movie ever like it's iconic and even the fact that they put her on like the poster like I've got um, a poster in my garage where i've got all loads of different movie posters and i've got one of the screen ones and she's there like at the front like as if she is sydney crazy i mean sarah you probably know more about that but you were nodding nodding along as i was saying it as i was getting nervous that this was incorrect information but this is this is true right yeah she said it we actually had on um nev campbell courtney cox and david arquette to promote the fifth movie and she said that that was her idea that she I, I since I watched it last night, she was only in the first 13 minutes. Yeah. So and I remember when I saw it, I, I was like, oh, Drew Barrymore's in it. Surprise. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so good. And it's so it's so iconic. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Well, um, OK, well, before before we get into like some trivia and things, let's talk about. The, our memories and associations with it. So, Dom, let's start with you, my friend. Before rewatching Scream, what did you remember about it? When was the first time you saw it? And what are your, you know, yeah, memories associated to it? So, this is that but moment I spoke of earlier. Um, so, I've, I've d- seen Screams one to four, and one was the one I remembered the most. But also, when I watched it, I barely remembered any of it except for like the first 13 minutes. <laughs> so that I remembered all of that. I remembered who, who each character was and who, who was who and who lived, who died and who the, the bad guys were. But other okay. than that, the content of it, I, I'd completely forgotten about. You know, I'd, I hadn't even registered that Henry Wrinkler's in the film <laughs> at any point up until watching it like most recently. Um, and I was so surprised to see him. I was like, oh, my God, yeah, he's the, the head teacher um, or principal, whatever, principal. whatever term we use. <laughs> um, but, yeah, my, my memories of watching it, again, this is round your house. We're picking a film. I think there would have been a moment where you had the trilogy when there was only the mm-hmm. three, and we watched all three in a row. I remember that a long sort of fond memory of that one and we just watched literally one after the other after the other we watched them all and I specifically this is you just you saying that has sparked the memory in my head I specifically remember us what eating uh paprika flavored crisps potato chips uh walkers lays and um (laughs) 
and they were like the crinkled cut. And I specifically remember us eat. Do you remember this? Oh, also, right. yeah, yeah. Um, um, we would have had dip. I'm pretty sure a lot of salsa dip was involved. Hell yeah, getting all sorts of messy. But yeah, uh, that's that's my memory of watching Scream. So we would have watched them all sort of on the bounce. Uh, I just remember, like, I just have images of Cotton in my head, although he's not in this one, he's in the next one, but that that's kind of what I could remember as well. But, um, yeah, that's kind of it. Um, the first 13 minutes was the most memorable. <laughs> and and you didn't, so you hadn't seen any of them since then or just the first one you hadn't seen since then? Uh, pretty much any of them. I, I've not really gone back and revisited. If they've been on TV, I'd sort of flick through. It's not something I would necessarily stop and watch, but um, I was really pleased to watch it yesterday uh, and to revisit. I thought it was actually en- very entertaining, So, but we'll go into that in a bit. <laughs> of course. Excellent. And Sarah, same question. Memories, associated feelings. When did you first see it? All of that stuff. I, I saw it in the movie theater when it came out. I was in my early 20s, or I might not have even been 20 yet. Um, and... Well, I remember specifically because I was a Drew fan and I was a Nev Campbell fan. So I was going to see it for that. And I was also into horror movies. So in the 80s, I was very into um, Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, Friday the 13th. So I was like, oh, good, a horror movie. So I was excited to go see it. And then, yes, I remember the whole Drew sequence. I remember the whole story line that happened. And then... I remembered the ending. So when I rewatched it, yeah, it all came flooding back once I rewatched it. And so you you could remember when you just watched it just recently, you could remember who the killers were? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I always remembered who the killers were. Okay. Because I think, cause I think um, this is a movie that on repeat viewing, once you know who the killers are, there are so many scenes in it that are so much better. And again, we'll talk about it. But particularly like when they're in the movie store... Uh, in the, like the blockbuster situation, it's so good. Like on once you know, you know. Uh, okay, and so if you were a fan of you know those other horror movies, would you have been aware of who Wes Craven was before watching yes. the movie? And that did that add more reason for you to watch it? I don't, I don't think so. I knew who he was, but I think I went more because of who was in it than who was directing. Nice and it's one that's like you've gone back to a lot or not since then? No, I mean, I feel like I've seen one the most. I feel like three was on a couple of weeks ago and I just stopped and watched some of it. I know it's bad to say, but I feel like I remember scary movie, which was the spoof <laughs> of it yeah. more than I remember actual scream. But, um, and I think it was actually, Drew once said it was supposed to be called Scary Movie mm-hmm. before they renamed it to Scream, which was, which is ironic. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, I would watch it again. It's just, it's not on my, you know, top 20 list of movies. Right. And what's funny is I actually think from rewatching it recently, and I actually watched, F and I watched all four of the Scream movies last year in lockdown, or the year before. How long ago was lockdown now? Mm-hmm. 2020. They it were all like in forever. 20. Yeah, they were all in 2020, weren't they? So I guess in 2020, we watched all four of them. And I think the first one 
the other ones are fine they're entertaining but the first one because it it sparked it all and it's just so good i would probably put it in like my top 10 maybe not top five but i think it would maybe be within the top 10 maybe top 15 it's definitely up there it's on the shelf um but the main things that i remember about it is the first time i watched it i had already been told everything about it in school in like a lesson like in like an english lesson or math science whatever a lesson that i wasn't paying atten- attention to <laughs> because the person that i was i was friends with and sat sat next to was so excited about scream that, that he'd seen it he told me everything like beat for beat for beat the whole thing but i wasn't mad at it i was enjoying the story of it like i was so like enthralled by it but Perhaps because I'm I'm a bit slow or because I wasn't that imaginative. When I then watched it, I had forgotten everything that he had said and was like shocked by it and the, the twist and who the killers were and, and all of that. Uh, but I'm not sure. I think potentially I watched this for the first time with my dad. Like it might have been like I asked my dad if we could rent it from Blockbuster and then we watched it together because I think after that, me and my dad watched all of the Scream movies together, like the the first three anyway. And then, yes, I remember watching them with you, Dom, uh, and and that was good times. We were probably like, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11, maybe 11 11 or 12, Um, good times. And then I also remember my dad took me to it wouldn't it wouldn't have been like a comic-con because they weren't big here like how they how they are now back then but to something to some sort of convention where it was sort of nerd culture and uh, which i love and we're all part of um but it had loads of movie things and i remember i bought two things or my dad bought me two things from there one was a dr evil from austin powers pinky ring like made out of plastic probably that I never wore. Um, and then the other thing was a Scream voice changer and the mask. And you know like how when they click it, it comes out with the, you know, the voice. Well, this didn't do that at all. All it did was just like distort your voice and to make you sound like a robot. But also every time I used it, I never used it with my actual voice. Every time I'd get it, it'd be like you know time to slice and dice and i'd like put that through the thing well i'm that's not how that's meant to work right (laughs) but it does it didn't work um so i probably used that a couple times and then that was pretty much it but i've probably seen the first scream i'd maybe like 15 times um over my lifetime and that's been throughout the years so i've never like forgotten it or anything like that i've always loved how meta it is and like like i was saying self-referential and like they're aware that they're in a scary movie and so sometimes that makes it not feel so scary because they're so cynical about it like you know all things that we'll talk about but let's talk about some trivia so the first point on my list sarah is that the original title of Scream was Scary Movie, which was later adopted by the Waynes Brothers in their parody of the Scream franchise. And just like you, there's so many parts, especially with Drew's part at the beginning, that all I can remember are the lines from Scary Movie, especially when she's doing the popcorn. And, uh, I, it's and Carmen Electra. 
right. And she, and uh, I think the voice on the phone says, um, "Who you gonna? You like scary movies?" And she's like, "Uh huh." <laughs> like, yeah. Dom, do you remember scary movie? Yeah, I remember like bits of it. I don't. Again, I, I don't remember it that brilliantly well. I'd have to watch it to to sort of get it all in again. I remember the scream mask at one time um, being like stoned and it has like a different expression in the film mm. somewhere. But that that's yeah. the only thing that comes to mind. Because they do like the what's up thing on the, uh, you know, oh, on the phone, like Dewey, from Budweiser. Dewey is called, the, what like, I can't remember, they think they just call him Doofy. 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 Yeah. 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 And he does the my butt <laughs> thing. <laughs> What's that smell? Yes. <laughs> so I'll smell this kind of thing. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> I re- I imagine it probably still holds up scary movie to an extent because it was like the original, and then the the first two were from the Wayne's Brothers, and then after that, it went to different writers and whatever. And actually, F and I watched this second scary movie the other day to like go to sleep by, and we were still awake <laughs> like an hour in because it's so funny. <laughs> but um, okay. The budget. So Dom and I always uh, have have a little guess with the budget. Sarah, do you have uh, an idea? What would your guess be of the budget for Scream? Mm. I don't. I feel like it wasn't that high because all the actors were sort of unknown at the time. Uh, let's say twenty four million. Twenty. Well, that's too high. Four million. It's locked in now, Sarah. That's your final answer. <laughs> I don't know. Dom, what do you reckon? For I was thinking around the same amount because of the they're not that well known. Um, is it all in studios? I'm not sure. I've it feels like there's a lot of locations that they use, but I'll go 30 million as the budget, which oh, wow. again feels very high for this film. You've both overshot it. Um, <laughs> Sarah I was, was going to say 10, but then I was like, eh, that's too low. <laughs> that's closer. It was 14 million. Ooh. Well, neither of us said 50, so. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> And it grossed back. So I already said it was over a hundred. It grossed back a hundred and seventy-five million at the box office. So it's crazy. That return on investment is is crazy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, this was a Miramax production, so uh, it was produced by the Weinstein's. Um, so let's just put out here. Fuck Harvey Weinstein, forever and always. <laughs> uh, the score was by Marco Beltrami, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and is, and is revered as one of the best horror scores of all time and has a cult following. And the score is very uh, specific, like you know it. It's got kind of that upbeat... Da, 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 da. Like, you know, rather than it's it's quite different to a horror horror score uh, dom did you uh have any particular perspective on the on the score did you notice it i, I paid more attention to the songs that were in the film is that there's like there's um 
There's a song called uh, Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue, uh, Blue Oyster Cult. And there was a version of that. I'm not sure it was by them, but there, there were certain songs that were like dropped in throughout the film that were kind of relevant to what was going on in the film. Exactly like you said earlier, um, that, that were quite good. But I didn't really, I, I, again, the score is just something that was just kind of there for me. I didn't really pick up on it too much. But yeah, no, I think now you mention it, it's, it's quite important. But it was mostly the, the like real songs that were added in throughout the film that kind of stood out to me the most. Nice. And Sarah, were you aware that the part you see near the end of the movie runs for 42 minutes, all in that location, and it was shot over the course of 21 days, uh, and it was uh, from the time the the sun rose, sunset to the time that it rose, and after it wrapped, the crew had t-shirts made that, made that read, I survived scene 118, uh, which was the name of the scene they were shooting. Uh, they jokingly called it the longest night in horror history. I knew it was, I knew everything finished there, but I didn't realize that it was that long. Or eat. I mean, that's a whole One Tree Hill episode right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Drew Barrymore and Nev Campbell did not meet Roger Jackson. So Roger Jackson is the the, the actor that played the voice um, on the on the phone before shooting commenced. And uh, Wes Craven didn't want anyone to meet him so that it could, you know, remain with that tension. But he did the voice as like the placeholder and then they were going to have a voice actor come in and, and do the voice. So he was like a guy from set like that did something different. He's not a voice actor, not a performer. And then they decided that he did the voice so well, they're just going to keep him for it. And he's done all five movies. Wow. And fun fact. So we did a week of Scream people, the new Scream five people on Drew and we had him record voiceovers for us to introduce them. That's so That's cool. Awesome. So if anyone wants to YouTube the Drew Barrymore show, Scream 5 cast, he was in it. Oh. Well, we heard him. We, we never saw him. <laughs> no one does. When If you do see him, he stood over you with a knife. So. <laughs> what are you going to say, Dom? Faceless man, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check that out. He had such a unique voice. Uh, and to like, and as soon again, what are you watching it? As soon as you hear it, you're like, oh my god, it's it's there, it's hitting me again. I'm ten years old. I'm in Simon's bedroom watching Scream, <laughs> frightened. <laughs> Anything could happen. And it's the line that you uh, messaged me last night when you was watching it, when it's like, uh, you know, I'll gut you like a fish, and it's it's the way that. Uh, well, we're going to talk about it in a minute, but it's the way that it just switches from being so nice and kind of flirty on the phone to I'm going to fucking kill you now. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so at around 52 minutes, Henry Winkler, the Fonz, he opens up uh, the closet. You know, he's like looking in his office to see if anyone's there. And his black leather Fonzie jacket from Happy Days is hanging in there. Oh, was it? Notice? I didn't even notice. That's so sad. <laughs> Slash, he plays such a creepy character mm. in this. We'll talk about it, but don't touch people's faces. <laughs> Let's not. 
so there was a school um, in San- Santa Rosa High School in California, and uh, they were that was going to be the high school that they were going to shoot the the high school scenes at, and uh, they got hold of the script and read what sort of film it was going to be, and the district governing board said no we're not we're not having that we don't want to be associated with that so they filmed somewhere else in at the end of the credits you know when it's like thank you to this department and thank you to these people that helped do this that, and the other it's written there Wes Craven put it in the uh end credits says uh no thanks whatsoever to the Santa Rosa City School District Governing Board (laughs) that's funny I didn't watch them all good touch that's a good touch that's holding on to a grudge (laughs) that should happen more (laughs) (laughs) i think at the end of the credits you should credit everyone that's you know done a great job and then credit all the people that were like bastards (laughs) yeah credits credits would be very long yeah (laughs) Yeah. you have the credits and then you have the shit list you know (laughs) yeah well, Courtney Cox, uh, she approached production to pursue the role, and the reason why was because she wanted something that, dare I say, Dom, was a juxtaposition to her role on Friends, where she's seen as, like, you know, the nice... They're all seen as, you know, such nice characters, and she basically wanted to play a bitch to show that she has that has that range. Nice. And she got the part. Yeah. This one I like. The use of Calder ID increased more than threefold after the release of this movie. <laughs> but I bet prank calls also increased as a result of this movie. <laughs> we said, I, I uh, surely, well, I'm sure at some point I did it. Some sort of prank call along this with my, with my bad box that just made me sound like a robot <laughs> or whatever. Oh, dear adolescence uh so spoken about that so Wes Craven he initially turned down the movie he was already busy developing a remake of The Haunting and was considering distance himself from the horror genre he signed on to direct after Drew Barrymore agreed to appear in the film also he was confront he was confronted by a young little boy fan who was about 10 years old and the boy accused Craven of going soft and that he had more guts back in the day when he was making movies like Last House on the left. And that pushed him over the edge and he called the people at Miramax and agreed to do Scream. So basically, he was goaded into it by a 10-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Watkin Phoenix turned down the role of Billy Loomis. That would have been like sort of just as just as sort of creepy and intense, wouldn't it? very intense sort of guy you could kind of see it i mean just any element of joker (laughs) in this film would have been just terrifying yeah uh i wanted maybe this is one you can you can check out for us sarah but says here drew barrymore insisted on shooting all of her scenes barefoot because her part in the movie was brief and she doesn't like wearing shoes (laughs) I'll find out. <laughs> that means she always wears shoes at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Big heels. There you go. <laughs> she was more free in 1996. 
Kevin Williamson feels Stu's character is underwritten, like was underwritten in the script. So he credits Matthew Lillard with turning the character into one of the film's most memorable. Let's talk about Stu quickly. I've only got one other bit and then uh, we can get into it. I think he is maybe the best part of the movie and I know that he is overacting and it's all over the top but that's why I love it it's so ridiculous I love it Sarah how do you feel about Stu in the movie I thought that he took the character I watching it I thought he took it the character to the next level like I he could have read those lines any which way but he was always when he was in the scenes and you were like always watching him Right, he kind of Nicholas caged it to a certain degree. Uh, Don, what did you think? He's got the sort of face and expressions and that kind of voice and attitude about him to sort of think, what's he going to do? What's he going to do next? And and you just sort of think there's a certain unease to <laughs> to, to when he's on screen, but like in this film, I mean, but for like very good reasons. You, you know, you're sort of you are drawn towards him, and you're like. What, what's his what's he getting at now and his scenes in particular with jamie kennedy uh i sort of enjoyed like him and billy not so much but i I think that's probably because billy was this cold kind of steely up until like their end scene but like this cold kind of steely character who was there kind of felt like he was there for his for his looks you know rather than um anything else that's going on but yeah matthew lillard was like all over it and really pushing it to to a new level and yeah uh, i would agree sort of made it made it a bit more fun but his his bits with uh yeah like i said jamie kennedy were particularly enjoyable i thought because jamie kennedy being that this is kind of the this is the makeup of a movie and this is how this happens and these are the rules and he's just takes it to the next level like matthew lillard takes it to the next level from there and it's really good for sure for sure. Okay, last one, and we'll move into the movie. This one just made 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 me laugh, and I never thought about it this way. And I don't know if this can even be read this way, like as in if this was even. I think maybe someone's just put this on IMDb as their own thing. Sydney sticking her finger in Billy's flesh wound was devised by Wes Craven as an intimate reverse lovemaking of her penetrating him (laughs) because they you know they had they had had their moment just before i don't think that that's true i think (laughs) that that's just something that happens in movies and people stick their fingers in in wounds but that's what to make it hurt more i feel like she knew if she did it it was gonna hurt more right that makes sense (laughs) like get off me because yeah he he was very much in a position of power at that time and then pow stick your finger in him and he gets off you (laughs) yeah it's classic it's classic well let's 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 talk about the movie so we open up and this is so iconic at this point i mean could it be argued that this is i mean obviously drew was in et uh and you know loads of other movies charlie's angels and and, you know a million others but is it possible that you could argue that this is her most infamous scene in a movie of all time i'm i I mean yeah i guess 
I feel like all the, I mean, up until that point, or movie, or just all the the whole thing. I mean, because I, I remember all thing. I remember all her rom coms. So, but yes, I specifically remember her. This those thirteen minutes like are penetrated and will never leave my brain. Yeah, and I'm assuming both. Do you? I don't know if you remember, but there was there are two edits of this uh, of this scene. Uh, there's one where and we'll talk about our boy Steve gets done dirty, but uh, with with his guts out, right? There's two edits of that. There was one which I'm guessing is like the TV edit where you don't actually see his guts hanging out, and I feel like the first time I had seen it, it must have been that. And then I remember seeing it maybe when we when we watched it, Dom, or I don't know, but I remember seeing it and being like, oh my god, this is actually worse like than I had once seen. But she's home alone. She's in a massive house, which uh, it seems to be in like the middle of fields. No. So the Wood, Woodsboro, the, the town, seems to be amongst farmland because <laughs> Stu's house is the same kind of situation. Big house, middle of nowhere. She's going to put a video in, VHS. She's talking on a landline. We're in the mid-90s. She's making popcorn on the stove. I, I, I've i never had it that way. It looks amazing. Sarah, you grew up as an American. Was this every Friday night for you? We had a, we had a machine that made popcorn. I never did it on the stove. Jif- I mean, Jiffy Pop was popular. We, I, we never had it. Also, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to walk away from it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a bit in Scary Movie where it's like ridiculous, doesn't it? It gets like to the ceiling. Uh, um, Dom, have you ever had popcorn this way? No, never. It's never been uh, something that's been available over here. I don't think I've never, I've certainly never seen it. Um, You know, the old fashioned popcorn bag, whack it in a microwave let that do its thing and then inevitably burn your hand when you put your hand in the packet. Um, yep. But never a stove one. No, but funny enough, I was talking to someone I worked with the other day and they live in Mexico and they tried it for the first time and they were all excited. They're really, really like excited because they're like, I've seen this in the films. This happens all the time in America. I'm going to try it. They bought it, they did it and they said it was quite possibly one of the most disappointing experiences of their life. <laughs> Well, well, at least they didn't get killed and then hung and their parents came and found them. So tell them to watch the first 13 minutes of Scream and be grateful for what they get. Appreciate it a little bit more. It could have gone a lot worse, okay? Uh, I will pass that message on tomorrow. (laughs) Well, the landline rings, picks up. Wrong number. We've got some back and forth here, Dom. Tell, tell us about it. Tell us about the flirty banter that leads down to a dark path. Well, it, funny enough, you, you don't ever really expect... I, I mean, with films like this, you don't expect to see the bad guy so quickly. And I know we have, like, a, a passage of 13 minutes, but, like, within that 13 minutes, we meet we meet the baddie. We meet the villain, don't we? And we, we don't know who it is, obviously, but we um, are already terrified by it but at the beginning the suspense and the build-up is um a phone call it's a wrong number i can't remember who he asks for he asks for a name and then she's like yeah, no no he does he's like no no not here and she's just like okay bye you got the wrong number bye it happens whatever and then kind of hangs up and they phone back and it becomes like this kind of flirty chat do you like there's mention of 
boyfriend, but she doesn't say yes or no. She just kind of. Or just... I think she says she says no because oh, then she tracks no. back. She tracks back later to be like, "I've got a boyfriend. He plays football and he'll kick your ass." <laughs> so I wasn't sure that she'd actually said no. I thought she just kind mm. of left it where it was and let like continue talking. Which is well, when you when watching it for the second time, because we know it's Stu and slash or Billy then we know that they actually know, right? Because mm. they go to school with her and all the... Oh, and she used to go out with Stu, with Stu right? Yeah. So this is actually like a revenge kill. So, yeah, interesting. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just a bit sort of flirty back and forth. Um, what kind of what movie are you going to watch? And are you making popcorn? And it just becomes more of a... Exactly like you said, like a flirty conversation up until the point where... Um, it gets a bit creepy. He mentions um, he can he, see her. Yeah, he says, I want to know who I'm looking at. And then yeah. she's like, what? I mean, I want to know who I'm talking to. And she's like, that's so not creepy. what you said. And then it, yeah. And then it just kicks off from there. <laughs> it becomes a game to them and just horror for for poor Drew. <laughs> well, well, he asked her if she likes any scary movies. Because then that's why he quizzes her later on the scary movies. And we know that they are horror movie aficionados because they later say, (laughs) Stu says at the end, you know, watch some movies, take some notes. It was fun. (laughs) You know, Uh, uh, Sarah, would you have been able to answer those questions? On Elm Street and I would have said the same answer she did. So I would have gotten the Friday the 13th wrong also. So you would have got Steve killed as well, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we see Ghostface, originally, uh, so Ghostface is, uh, you know, the vernac- the chosen vernacular or noun for uh, our villain throughout the, the franchise. And that costume originally was going to be white to look more ghost-like. And then it was decided that that would look too much like a clan member. So let's not do that, which I think we can all agree was the right choice. And (laughs) the mask, they actually, they were trying to design a mask and, and all the rest of it. And then they just saw that actual mask in a, it's like in a suit, in like a gift shop. And it was already made and licensed and whatever. They're just like, we just want that. So they paid for the rights and bought the rights, and and there you go. So the mask actually predates the movie. I've always thought that the the name of the film and the mask comes from Edvard Munch's painting. It does. Oh, right. Well, the the mask doesn't. The the mask looks like that, and that when they were doing the... Sorry, when they were doing the designs for it, they were taking the inspiration from the painting right but then when they were taking it to get it uh like copy written or whatever they're saying you can't have that it looks too much like this like these masks that they'd seen in these gift shops and whatever and so they couldn't get around it they couldn't make it different enough to this one so they're like okay we're just going to buy the rights to this then that already (laughs) exists and originally yeah it was going to be called scary movie um but they didn't think it was it was uh sort of catchy enough and then yeah scream came from uh that painting as well the inspiration for it and they had said the the producers and whatever that they were really unsure whether 
that was the right move to call it Scream. And they actually only changed it like a few weeks before, I think, I guess, like marketing and whatever was finalized. And then now they've said that they could never imagine it being called anything else. So, and it is a perfect name for a horror movie, really, or slasher. Mm. Let's talk about that. So, there is a debate within the fandom world as to whether this actually is a horror movie or not. Uh, or if it's a, a slasher. And then if it's a slasher movie, could we maybe not say is that slight subgenre of horror movies? But there's a, a points put out that make that horror movies generally have a supernatural element to them. But that's not always true. It has jump scares in it. But I don't know. It feels more like psychological thriller slashery to me. I mean, Sarah, what do you think? Would you classify this as as a horror movie? No, I feel I feel like this probably is more slasher. The yeah, I feel like the horror movies of like that I grew up with were more unrealistic than this could have been. I mean, I don't think people going around killing this many people, but this is more probable than Freddy Krueger coming in to kill you in your dreams. So that's why I would say slasher for this one. And um, yeah, I I think I totally agree with that. There's in horror, there's always that there's always more of this supernatural element you can't escape from. You can't or it's difficult to get away from uh, and you have to sort of break some kind of curse to get rid of it or you know remove the head or destroy the brain in every zombie film so <laughs> it's kind yeah. of it's one of those yeah so I, I would probably class this more as a thriller slasher film uh i mean there's even reference in the film to um psycho and stuff like that so i guess it's kind of falls in line with with those films rather than being your traditional horror yeah I agree. So things do escalate and uh, Drew Casey is, you know, sort of running around the house trying to answer the questions she's doing. She's giving a great performance of fear and the stress. (laughs) Stress feels like too mild of a word that this would cause. Our man Steve is outside. Once she threatens about she has a boyfriend and, you know, he plays football, etc. He is then outside in his Letterman jacket and uh, he gets sliced up. It's it's nasty. It then ensues into sort of cat and mouse. And then it's pretty horrific. Like when she's getting, when she actually gets stabbed and she's running out and this sort of goes into the slow motion it's like this sort of... It looks kind of realistic in the way that it's like, uh, 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 done. Um, and then, like, the, it's really layered in the way that it's shot and in the way that it's sort of uh, put together because he's, like, choking her out so her vocal cords are damaged so she can't talk properly on the phone. And when her parents come home and they're having to hear their daughter basically dying over the phone and not only being hung, but having like basically being gutted um and the mum and dad put in a really great performance as well those actors like the way you know the mum's like casey baby and then outside and screaming that's kind of laying what actually happened i mean sarah you said this is cemented in your mind is because of all of those things 
Yeah, I mean, I remember the running through the house. I remember him, the stabbing. I remember the whole parent scene. It's just, yeah, it like all came flushing back. It was, it was, she did a good job. A really good job. Dom, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, really good. Like just the whole thing from start to kind of the end of uh, Casey um, was like really enjoyable but also you're desperate for her to get away <laughs> desperate for her to get away um even when she's hiding in that corner and she sort of looks around the window and he's like creeping about and that this is kind of what i really like about this film is that um the bad guy that you know whoever's running around trying to stab them it is like a bit of an idiot as well just like can't find them it's like just looking around the house, can't find them, doesn't like, immediately know where they are, like you get in some sort of horror or sort of psychological um, thriller-type films where, you know, they, they, they look in the in the window and they're standing there automatically, you know. We see them looking around in other rooms and, and that adds to the element of fear. And then they appear at the window. But when she's, like, running off, it's just like, you should have just... You should have just darted long ago and just, just kept running. Just run and run and run. Uh, but, you know... We wouldn't be having this conversation if she'd done. If she'd have done that, I was a bit with the with the, the first stabbing. I, it looked like to me that the person doing the stabbing was terrified of handling Drew Barrymore. It was like this is Drew right. Barrymore. Um, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to fuck this up. So it was like it was really slow, and it looked like that they were just really slow because it's just like I. I don't want to hurt Drew Barrymore. This is like a probably like a national treasure really so um i don't want to cop this up <laughs> but then after that it was great um yeah and her playing battered and stabbed and choked was very convincing that that's a great point uh, to me it was just excruciating because it was so slow it's like <laughs> if i'm having to be stabbed to death please do it quickly like yeah. i don't want... <laughs> just get this out the way <laughs> yeah uh and so we move through to what's basically like a dawson's creek scene before dawson's creek existed of um billy coming through sydney's window which uh, I think I'd read it was also like an homage to... I haven't seen either of them. Don't judge me, people. I think it was an homage to Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, Johnny Depp used to go to her window okay. in that movie. I'm glad I got that right. And uh, for the entire film, I was thinking um, that he looks really like Johnny Depp as well. Right. Is he this had an... that like hair look, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of got that, again, kind of steely look about him looks a bit vacant at times um and i was wondering if that was intentional uh, i didn't know whether anything had come up in your research I mean, but the whole time i was watching the film thinking he's just got this this johnny depp kind of aura about him and i thought maybe that was the link you're basically saying he's a poor man's johnny depp <laughs> yes <laughs> well he um his hair is very was very memorable to me like the kind of wet these yeah it's just wet <laughs> like you take a shower but the <laughs> that's how johnny depp was in the 80s yeah <laughs> it's just wet <laughs> there, there, there you go uh, his his mannerisms are so like specific and memorable like even when he climbs through the window and he's just like i was watching the exorcist on tv and you know he does like the things with his hands and he's basically 
very horny for a lot of this film. <laughs> right? Like, Sarah, he's over there. The dad's there. He doesn't care. He... He wants he doesn't he wants an R-rated relationship. Well, he eventually gets it. He does. does. If, you push, if you push hard enough. Yeah, what is this reinforcing? <laughs> Just persistent. Be persistent. It was, it was the mid-90s. Things were different. Yeah, but I mean it's good. She is in control of that situation and knows where her comfort boundaries are you know and he does respect you know when she says no um but then dom he gives her he gives him a pg-13 relationship and flashes him at the window which would which would have been more funny if he then fell out the window (laughs) (laughs) if he'd just fallen off the roof bit yeah she's sliding down (laughs) Boobs! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! <laughs> it would have been a good good moment. Yeah, but... It, yeah, it does seed a few things that she can use a computer. You know, that comes in later. It, it, I, some sort you know, messaging, 911, etc. It's, it's the uh, doors that really do it for me. This is, yeah. this, is the, this is the important part. This is this is the only reason we're having this scene is to is to demonstrate <laughs> the doors. Obviously, we need to meet uh, Sydney and, and we need to meet um, a creepy Billy boyfriend. Um, yeah. And yeah, his, you know his incredible libido <laughs> and then the, the door thing the dad's just wandering into the room and her obviously having experience of her father just wandering into her room has uh, now meant that she has to have this door lock situation so yeah and it also sets up that the dad is going to be out of town for the weekend which i wonder did we think that well it must have been part <laughs> why are you laughing just like the expos the whole weekend i'll be back sunday <laughs> i'm staying at the hilton yeah. by the airport <laughs> okay <laughs> i swear i heard screaming <laughs> he so this must have all been part of Stu and Billy's plan, right? To do it at this weekend, because obviously they uh, kidnapped the dad as well. So it's not until this point, actually, that I've thought that they've decided... And also because it's the anniversary of when they killed her mum. So lucky, actually, that this expo weekend landed on this weekend, that right? Weekend? Yeah. yeah. The lucky. dad's over it. The dad's over it. He's moved on. Billy's told her to move on. Oh, my God. I when wanna... Billy tells her to move on. <laughs> Just like your mum's dead. Move on. <laughs> like, you know what, what, Sydney? It's been a year. Like my dad, my mum left. But your mum's dead. <laughs> yeah. So, if anything, better. So, get over it. Take your underwear off. Uh, yeah. I'll be in the... I'll come up the window later. Like It's like, at least at least your mum's dead. My mum chose to leave me, so that's more painful. <laughs> and it's like, wow. <laughs> He's saying it also, knowing that he killed her mother. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. For that Crazy. reason? <laughs> <laughs> well, as he says later, your mother was a slut bag. <laughs> I can't lie that. Uh, made me laugh internally a little bit just the phrasing of it it's a very serious moment (laughs) okay sorry we're getting too far ahead okay (laughs) we get to the school we meet tatum uh sydney's best friend kind of bringing her up to speed on what's going on sydney then gets called to the principal's office 
we're introduced to Henry Winkler and we're also introduced to David Arquette as Dewey. The bit that I always feel uncomfortable with here is that Henry Winkler, the principal, holds her face. Like, yeah, a nice chin grab. What the fuck? Yeah, get off. Just don't touch me. Don't need to touch anyone. It's just weird. It's so odd. Again, it was the 90s. Yeah, yeah. And she's just like, okay, this is normal. I think it's meant to be played as supportive in that they know what she's been through and her mum was murdered and you know we're all here for you that kind of thing but it just comes off a little bit but also i wonder if this is a character choice or it was written in the script because he's creepy in every scene that he's in well uh, by this point of the film we don't know it isn't him right so you're like it's literally anyone that's in that room it could be any of them you you know we have no idea who it is or isn't so uh it's it's a it's a school kid that's been murdered he's the principal he's been a bit creepy he's been a bit weird so he's got access to these kids no matter where it is so there is the whole line that it could be him he has one of my favorite moments in the whole film when he goes and says hello to the cleaner oh yeah hi fred and he's got the the red and like greeny striped shirt on i thought it was fantastic I'd the Freddy Krueger sweater. Yeah, I've never, ever, ever noticed that before, ever. And I thought that was fantastic. And that's Wes Craven. Oh, was it? Yeah, that's his cameo. <laughs> nice. That's even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I- I'd never caught that before either, um, that that reference, which is we were great. too young for, for when yeah, we were See, I, that it. reference I got when I first saw it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, and you're right, I forget, because we're watching it knowing who the killers are. That is the point of every Scream movie. Like, F and I, when we watched Scream 5 last night, we kept pausing it to be like, okay, I actually think it's him, because she's doing this. And then it's ending, 10 minutes later, pause it again. Okay, no, it's not him, because he's too obvious, so it must be him. And the fact that it's actually the audacity that they that it's Billy... Because they put it in front of you the whole time. Like, this is the obvious choice. It's obviously him that you get to the point of, well, it can't be him. That's way too obvious, you know? Uh, And like you said, yeah. I mean, like, Jamie Kennedy's character as well just calls it as it is, doesn't he? He goes, it's him. Look at him. It's got to be him. He's just this fucking psychopath. You can see it. It's him. (laughs) It just says it from, like, literally... The word go. He's just like totally convinced this guy is this guy is the killer. Let's all stay away from him. He's a weirdo and they don't they don't listen. It's brilliant. Well and I think also and again we'll talk about it, but the biggest twist of this movie was that there's two killers. Like I feel like that's like mm. the first time that that's been done at, you know, this kind of level anyway, that that I'm aware of. And so the big twist was actually uh Stu, I think, because but again, we'll get there. Okay, so Principal Fonzie's being weird. Um, and we meet Dewey, who, how would we best describe him? He's kind of like a bit, I'm not introverted, that's not the right word, but uh, he, he he's a bit he's bumbly, like, bumbly, isn't he? Yeah, he's seen as a bit soft, where um, but kind, good-natured, you know, like a nice guy, and wants is Tatum's be, older brother. Wants to be respected, but because everybody in the town knows him and knows that he's a bit of a plank, 
He's not going to get that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and then we meet our, you know, main characters, so to speak, at the fountain. So we're introduced to yeah to Billy, to Stu, to Tatum, Sydney. Obviously, we already know, and to Randy as well. And th- this is a quintessential Kevin Williamson written scene. So Dom, I know that you haven't seen Dawson's Creek or aren't too familiar with it but this is ba- this is exactly how it is is like incredibly articulate teenagers like way beyond the scope of how any grown person would speak either as as well uh but you know quick fire banter but this scene I love it um I love Randy he's so funny in it I I remember when first watching it he was always my favorite character um and they're sort of talking back and forth about who it could be. Um, yeah, what Sarah? What did you What did you think of this? And do you like writing like this, or do you find it obnoxious? No, I like it, and I grew up with it. So, like it, like the scene was a scene that I feel like I'd seen before, obviously with different people. But I always felt when we were talking about Stu before, I thought it was interesting that he was dating tatum and she put up with all his like stupid bullshit stuff like i just felt like he like he would have been really uh, he was really annoying and she just and she put up with it and she was with him so those scenes i always questioned with why those two were together i guess it's quite new right because he was dating drew casey uh so maybe, yeah. I don't know if it was that new. It seemed like they were going out for a bit, but there were some scenes where I'm just like, oh, he's so annoying. Like, <laughs> just break up with him. It feels like you're channeling your own energy and views here, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> what, well, Dom, did you, do you like writing like this? Do you, or do you find it uh, too far? Like, did it take you out of the movie or anything like that? Just on the left-hand side of that fountain, as you're watching, is just super intense. And you just think, like, okay, Sydney's, like, had a bit of a shit year. But Billy's just... <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a shit year. But Billy's just, like, super, just creepy from there. And, like, this intense kind of mode. And uh, he does talk about tact and, you know, just be tactful and stop saying stupid things to, to Stu. But the right-hand side of that is just, like... The extreme, like going so far the other way, that Stu's just a bit of this nutter who's just talking about this, you know, what's going on and all the all the crazy stuff, and um, like Randy's then throwing out his theories into the world, and it, it's just like, and it's really affecting like the left side, and then you've got Stu's girlfriend in the middle that's just rolling her eyes because she's like, you're all, you're all a bit thick, really, you know. Um, so it's it's a, it's. It's not something that I would particularly um, enjoy in terms of, you know, writing and watching and, you know, thinking, oh, okay, where's this going to go? Where's this going to build to? I just kind of think, okay, the scene needs to end now to get to the, the next bit. But, yeah, it's just super intense to super silly to, okay, let's move on. Well, see, on, on the other hand, I, I actually, I really love that scene but uh, just because of all of the back and forth. But watching it, when you know well actually the whole left side of the fountain are the killers right mm. and it's so obvious when when you know but um you know when 
Randy's like, is that before or after you sliced and diced? And it's like, well, actually, they did. And uh, Stu explains how you do it, you know, from bow to sternum and all the rest of it. Um, and it's a kind of like sick because, you know, you just did that to Casey. So, yeah, it's like right there on Front Street. But they do such a good job of putting other things in your way to throw you off, you know. Um, so from there, we move to Sydney falling asleep at home. She's got a massive house. Massive house. That's all I kept thinking. So massive. And uh, and then she gets the phone call from Ghostface or from Stu or Billy, one of them, or both of them. And then she is attacked at her house. And then this is, we get some quintessential tropes, you know, of like running up the stairs. And just after she had said on the phone, you know, horror movies are so annoying. They always run up the stairs and they should be running out the door and all the rest of it. And then she does exactly what she has just said. And so these are some of the references that it's like refreshing that they're so self-referential. Uh, I mean, Sarah, do you do you find, do you like that? Or do you think the film is almost being like arrogant in a way? No, I liked how they referenced everything. I liked it. And rewatching it, I, they referenced, there's so many, so many references to it. Not just horror movies, just like, so many things in the 90s in general that i was like oh wow they actually brought that up <laughs> it was just it was just interesting like it definitely dates itself oh yeah because it like i was like oh like even watching it with my 13 year old he didn't he didn't understand half of it because it was you know from so long from almost 30 years ago already so I mean, I I like all that stuff. I don't think that hurts the film at all. No, I think to like us, uh, to build to people that enjoyed it in that time, it's nostalgic. So it we we like to hear those things. Like even with um, like in a couple of scenes time where the police are asking Billy why he has a cell phone. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I, sort of reflecting back on that bit as well. You're like. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Why does he have one? Because not everybody had one. <laughs> yeah, it's like only special, important people had one. Like Zach and Morris. And it was ginormous. Yeah, yeah like, like Zach Morris. Well, then, uh, so we get all of that, and Sydney sort of manages to escape, or Dewey comes and sort of scares him off, or whatever. And then he finds the mask, and then Biddy comes through the window, and it's like. It's like he dropped the phone on purpose. It didn't even see it fall out of his pocket. It's like he walked in, phone dropped on the floor. Dun, 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 dun. It must be him because he has a cell phone. Trust your instincts, Sydney. Again, it's one of those, just trust your instincts, you're right. Get out of there. <laughs> Get away from him. He's creepy anyway, even without all the killings. <laughs> for real, for real. Uh, I mean... Sarah, did you ever have a thing for Skeet Ulrich? No, or not so much. No. John, the original Johnny Depp, but not Skeet. You don't, yeah, you're not in for the poor man's Johnny Depp. <laughs> not the wet version. <laughs> <laughs> then we, we move to the police station and then this is, I feel like I don't know a lot about police investigations or whatever, <laughs> but I feel like they wouldn't be happening with a window just in between them you know i feel like 
if he is potentially a, a killer that has just tried to, you know, attempted murder on Sydney, maybe they'd be in different stations, different Rooms. parts of the station. With not just He's just staring at her through the window. <laughs> like, how could you? No intimidation there at all, was there? <laughs> right? I get it's local police enforcement, but surely there's rules. There's rules to this film. We've learned them later, but... Okay. Billy's dad, who we know has slept with Sydney's mum at some point, um, is there, and... This is is one thing, sorry, just to jump back a a little bit. This is one thing that, that, again, I really like about this film is that Sydney gets the phone call. She's then challenged as to, you know, I'm standing on your front porch and it's like, I'm going to call bullshit on this. I'm going to come out to the front porch and prove you're not there. She goes out, you're not there. And then and then we see the attacker. Then we see Ghostface or whatever. And we see whoever it may be, Billy or Stu, chasing her around the house. And you almost expect when you watch a film like this that the first instance, nothing happens. And then it's the second instance where things begin. So it will be day two. We get another phone call. She's nervous to pick up the phone, but she does it anyway because it could be her dad who's at the Hilton Airport Hotel. You know? <laughs> and uh, and then you kind of think, oh, then it's going to happen. But with this film, it's just, no, straight in. We're, we're straight into the second day. We've already had a, a killing yesterday. Straight into the next day, and we're going to start you know picking on sydney and we're going to start making her you know life miserable from here and i i'd forgotten how quick everything moves in this film it literally goes from like like go 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 it's literally constant and although the scene at the end like you mentioned is horrendously long and does seem to go on forever it's still moving at you know a fairly decent pace and it gets quicker obviously as as things start kicking off but the film isn't slow at any point. There's always something happening or there's always something about to happen. And you do get a lot of horror films or let's say, you know, kind of psychological films where you think, I've been watching this for an hour and we've been a bit a bit freaked out, but nothing's really kicked off and happened. And then it, it sort of happens. So that's one thing I, I really like enjoyed from this. And the whole thing actually only happens within like three days. Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah from the like... first killing to the end was like, Three days. Yeah, it's not a month, you know, it's just a couple of days. So, yeah, it's super fast. And it's funny that you say that because so originally uh, the principal wasn't going to be killed and they put that in because they, they, were, they thought there was too much of a stretch of time from when Casey is killed at the beginning to when they get to the party at the end and Tatum gets killed and whatever. Originally they were like, that's too much time to not have anyone die. Uh, so so they decided to kill the principal but that actually solved a problem that they were having in the third act which was how do they get everyone out of the party of the house so it can just be left with the core characters so actually they decide that you know the principal has been killed and hung from like the goalposts or whatever and they all are sick and want to go and see it so then they all leave so it kind of it solved two problems with with one thing Ah, oh, there you go. Handy. <laughs> and so, yeah. So, okay, so we're at the police station. And, you know, that's, that kind of goes from there. Sydney goes out the back, the back door. Gail Weathers. Oh, so we were introduced to Gail a little bit 
back but we'll talk more about her because we've got a scene coming up where she kind of explains the back history of what's been happening and cotton weary and all the rest of it and uh she goes straight in for an interview with uh sydney and sydney punches her in the face fair justified yeah and then she goes to stay with tatum and dewey at their house and then we get the whole tatum's like you're such a super bitch. Bam, bitch went down. You know, all that sort of stuff. Sarah Tatum as a character, what do you reckon? She's fine. I mean, I feel like you need... Completely different than than um, Sydney. So I feel like you needed, you know, it was like the yin and the yang of the girls. Yeah, for sure. She's She's a good side character. She has, like, good sort of... Yeah, good. Like exactly what you said. She's got good bubbly energy that can go against Sydney's kind of a bit more timid and depressed. Depressed. I mean, it's fair. She's trying to. People are trying to murder her. You know. (laughs) Right. Her mom's dead. And her boy. Her boyfriend does not care. You know. He just wants to get her into bed. It's. (laughs) She has toxic relationships. I think around her. Uh, Uh. but then she gets a call from Ghostface while she is there. Um, so now we're thinking it's not Billy. But of course we know, well, that's probably just Stu, right? Right, Dom? Stu. Who was your one phone call to? Yeah, that'd be so crazy, though. <laughs> Can you not listen? Don't listen, don't listen. Yeah. Hello, Sydney. <laughs> just gonna just gonna get my voice changing box out. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, one thing I, I I would like to add onto the back of um uh the the stuff I said about how fast it is is Sydney has this perception that her mum was great and that her mum couldn't do anything wrong or was murdered. Obviously, she's murdered wrongly because everybody's murdered wrongly, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's murdered wrongly. But but what had happened to her was um, like a freak accident kind of thing. Wrong place, wrong time. But actually, everybody else knows that her mum was a bit of a floozy, just to put it that way, and would sleep around. And this is kind of the perception that she just doesn't have that perception of her mum at all. And, and maybe the dad doesn't either. But this is, you know, the, the kind of whole reason for what's going on is essentially because of her mum being the way that she was. So... Uh, and I think that's really interesting as well because in in films like this, again, you tend to get the victim is innocent. Doesn't there's, there's not really any there's not really always a, a bad connection or, or anything bad to say about um, the the original victim from you know a year ago that kicks off the story. You kind of think, okay, they they were like I said, wrong place, wrong time. And that we, you're going to think the victim is Cotton because they were framed, but actually it was. But actually, the reason she was with Cotton is because she was sleeping around with him, and the reason that she, you know, Billy's dad, uh, Billy's mum left was because she was sleeping with Billy's mum and uh, Billy's dad. Sorry, and you know, there's just all these things that you just start to work out, like, and find out bit by bit that Sydney's mum was actually a, a bit of a skank. And <laughs> you know, this this has happened as a result of her being a bit of a skank. She was no Sharon Stone, as <laughs> as she said. Yeah. Well, and they play on that more and more in the sequels. Mm. Because in the third one, 
the killer is the director of the stab movies and the stab movies is like the screen movies that have been made from you know it's all to, very i was trying to remember which one's on a film set because the film set is exactly of, of the house isn't it from the first one yeah which is clever yeah. because <laughs> yeah. and then in the fifth one the, well the one no, don't tell not, us i'm not going to i'm not I, just, i'd already retracted I'd already i've retracted. got a question about the fifth one though without any answers were you right yes okay like from the beginning or like uh f was right of course I she was, was. <laughs> i wasn't really but i was kind of like placing my bets just all over the board you know <laughs> i put my money on this one and this one <laughs> both watch it once we've had the conversation of obviously don't watch it now that'd be so rude so rude we're trying to do a podcast but we're watch it in your own time and then uh yeah let me know if you guessed it right or not because that is always the fun with these with the screen movies but um but yeah the third one i think has a reputation of being the um the least favorable one of the franchise and they were restricted to no blood there is no blood in scream 3 because they were trying to get a lower rating how do you have no blood from going from the opening scene of this movie, you know? That's it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. Crazy, crazy yeah. choices there. Just for a, a rating. I mean, it would have been popular with blood. So, yeah, it's just to try and get more of a certain sort of demographic, I guess, into the, into the cinemas. And it doesn't make sense to me at all. No, not at all. <laughs> but, okay, so... We then go from, hang on, where were we? We Oh, we've gone from, yeah, they've called while she's there. And, oh, Gail has a whole thing about her cameraman being, like, overweight and slow. <laughs> the whole, she's so mean-spirited she's to that so poor guy. <laughs> I really like him as well. He's, <laughs> like, he's good comic relief. So, okay, so the next day, Sydney talks to Gail outside the school about the cotton-weary situation. Now, what's funny about this is I forget the actor's name, but the guy that plays cotton-weary, who's really famous now, right? It's been, it was in, had big parts in the other screen movies, but also has been in lo- loads of other things. You guys know who I'm talking about, right? I just can't remember his name. Is he in Ray Donovan? Is he Ray Donovan in he, Ray Donovan? Yeah, yes, he Leo is Ray Shriver? Donovan. Yeah. Is it Leo Shriver? I don't know his real name. I just know he's Ray Donovan. <laughs> but he's been, he was in, uh, he was in the X-Men films as well, as Sabretooth. Right, so he's... Yeah, we have Schreiber. Yeah. Right, there we go. So he's way up there, you know, super successful. But this, he is on a clip for like 10, 5, 10 seconds in this movie. And he just did that as, you know, just a whatever, as like an extra, you know, just small time. And then... Look at him now. Like, he obviously reprises it properly and everything. They could have easily recast him, you know, or had someone different. But, yeah, there you go. It all worked out for him. And the whole point is that Gail thinks that he was framed and that there was blood on the jacket, so on and so forth. Unfortunately, the pattern repeats itself with what you were just saying, Dom. He had slept with uh, Sydney's mum, but Gail was saying it was consensual so on and so forth and then we'd find out later that that is all true that 
Stu and Billy had framed him. So there you go. So maybe mm. is that some redeeming qualities for Gail? Yeah, well, at that point, Sydney was also questioning. She's listening to Gail. And, you know, her. you can see the wheels turning in her head like, oh, maybe I should rethink certain things. And Gail called her out on it. Yeah. But I think I she, I, she's figuring things out. Hmm. But we still know her motives are probably monetary based, right, Dom? Of course. We're, we want another book deal out of this, you know, or, be, or, or the book that's come out to sell more. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, okay, uh, we we then, right, Sydney then sees Billy at school, and this is where he's saying, don't worry about your dead mother, just sleep with me. <laughs> you know? You know what's good for grief? Sex with me. Like, it'll take your mind <laughs> off of it. He is ridiculous. And it, always, it bothers me as well that he is like, I was in jail, remember? And he puts his hands up, and his hands are filthy, because he's been in prison. Wash your fucking hands. It's the fingerprinting ink. Uh... <laughs> it's the fingerprinting ink. Do you know what? For all these years, I thought that it's because he's holding on to the bars. And bars are dirty because it's jail. And jail is not nice. They don't clean jail because they want you to fear it and not go there. What's that smell? It's jail. Don't go it's to Billy. jail. <laughs> I get it now. They took his fingerprints. Fingerprinting ink. Sarah, did you know? No. Excellent. (laughs) You're not just lying to me to make me feel better? No. Excellent. Okay. Dom, you're just just incredibly gifted, and we're actually fine. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, and then Sydney goes to the bathroom, and she overhears the bitchy bitches... You know, and it's so, again, this is very Kevin Williamson, you know. She thought about suicide and decided that's not in this year. So she became like a homicidal killer. You know, like, again, I don't know if it was just me. And I was like a dumb teenager when I was dumb, you know. But I couldn't speak like that now. I'm 34, (laughs) right? Like, crazy. It's easy when it's on a page. (laughs) Right. That's when one of the... When they're in the bathroom, they mention, um, she's like, where did you hear that? And she's like, oh, I was watching Ricky Lake. Yeah. So, yeah. so Ricky Lake was like a popular talk show in the 90s where it was, you know, anything went on that show. <laughs> and fun fact, my husband interned there. No Ooh. way. <laughs> Back in the 90s with the crazies. Getting Pepsis for people. <laughs> so I thought that reference, I laughed at that reference. Nice. Not Pepsis, some other thing. <laughs> that that's awesome yeah i remember ricky lake like as like a little kid it was like ricky lake and jerry springer right mm-hmm. yeah Crazy. they they made their way over here didn't they those two she was on for years nice. and, then she, and then she was in some movies so mm-hmm. she did well nice but yeah well, that reference came up well and then Oh, one of them, by the way, I can't remember which one, but was Skeet Ulrich's girlfriend in real life at that point. Throwing it in there. But then, (laughs) Ghostface, or Stu or Billy, one of them, is there and chases her, right? This is crazy. Like, how close to the line are they going, you know, in terms of being seen? I mean, there's a scene later where... 
his stalking, one of them is stalking her in the ghost face outfit in like a mini mart, in like a supermarket. Someone's going to see you, right? Isn't this all the hoaxes, though? This is, these are the kids that are messing the about. Principal. Yeah. The principal had the kids with the mask, too. I feel like everyone had the mask at this point. Okay, yeah. but the one, the, the one in the bathroom is real. They have a knife, right? Yes, that, that's one of them. Right, okay. But the one at the like supermarket, are you saying that's not real? Because you see in the reflection of like uh, one of the the fridges or, or something, and he's there, and he just pops around like, da da I'm here. Right? I'm not sure. There's just all that talk of hoaxes. So there's all the hoaxes that are running around chasing her and stuff. And I thought that the one in the bathroom, because she runs out and Billy's in that hallway, or was in that hallway, wasn't he? So... I thought that the bathroom one was a hoaxer. Okay. That may have had a weapon, but obviously just to scare her and wasn't the real. I thought the bathroom was like Stu. Uh, See, I I thought it was a hoax. And then the, I hadn't really considered the sort of supermarket one, but now you think, now you've mentioned it, I think maybe it was (laughs) the real one pretending to be just a random hoaxer. Mm, Because then you've got the two kids that, uh, you know, Fonzie's holding a pair of scissors to him. He's just like, I should fucking use these on you, you know. <laughs> because he's a fucking psycho. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, uh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, that kind of, that goes in order. So, vote, yeah, and he, he expels them. Um, yeah. And then he dies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah horribly like he is a horrible death i mean well first he tells everyone school's closed or whatever right and that and everyone leaves and then they play in the party and then they kill him exactly right so that that gets the party going and they're saying tatum and Stu are saying you know better to be around people you know come there etc etc um and gail and dewey start uh, having some flirtation as well where she's saying well my demographic is 15 to 24 and he said well i'm 25 she's like oh i just missed you and then i like that when he leaves me he's like well i was 24 for a whole year you know (laughs) and it's really sweet that obviously they're they got together in real life uh courtney cox and david arquette i think they have children together do they one excellent there you go and she said she said when she, out of out of scream this was in her interview in january she said she uh, because of scream she met david and had her daughter there you go that's awesome and, and i'd read that wes craven actually encouraged david arquette to sort of talk to her and whatever and was saying you know you've got good chemistry you should you should go for it so i don't know if that's true but that's what i that's what i read I read, but they do have great chemistry, and it is very sweet. And so, yeah, it's nice to see. We then get to maybe my favorite scene, apart from like the end, is the video store scene. So good, so good. Is Dom talks us through just, it. Is it your favorite scene because it just reminds you of a, a former you? <laughs> well, I mean, so as people know, I worked in Blockbuster when I was a student, and I loved it. Um, but I, I miss that time where you were looked at by people as an expert of the cinematic arts, right? It was, they would ask you for your recommendations. And it was, 
He's basically done a whole podcast off of this, to the back of this stuff, Dom. Um, <laughs> but I love Randy as a character. He's so eccentric. And then mixing him and uh, Stu together, it's so good. And then the fact that he's everything that you just said. But when Billy comes over and they're basically like bullying him, when Stu's like over his shoulder and Billy's in front of him, it's uh, when you then know that they're the killers, it's crazy. So crazy, Dom. Talk, talk, talk us, talk to us about it. Well, you just you have the, he's sort of scootering around, isn't he, on his trolley to to return all the videos back to where they belong, uh, and he's kind of running into people. He he doesn't he like nudge someone and they're like hey, jackass or call him an asshole or something like that. Yeah, and uh, he's like, oh, sorry, and he's just sort of doing his stuff putting his videos away and this is when um stew light appears and like whacks a load of videos out of his hand they go everywhere and that this is the when the conversation of theories and rules and you're gonna know the rules sort of almost starts uh, uh, and like we we start getting like nuggets of information of you, you know uh randy's got it figured out because this is how every movie plays out so this is what would happen in real life right um and yeah this is exactly when Stu just keeps playing the over-the-top card, and then we have Billy, who's the, dare I say it, juxtaposition of him, uh, and is <laughs> calm, steely, quite creepy. And Randy's got it figured out. He's got it figured out from like the, the when it all begins, when it all kicks off. He knows exactly what's going on, um, but nobody pays him the slightest bit of attention because he's just kind of like this movie nerd uh, and... That's about it. I mean, he he's even better in the in the next scene when we get there. But um, yeah, that's, and that's that's kind of it. And he has his moment of just absolutely screaming, like it's him or something like that, or you, you know, whatever. He's everyone's a suspect. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> and everybody like looks at him. And is it Stu that sort of signals that he's he's high or something? Don't worry, he's just. He's on drugs, <laughs> and he he says at one point it's like it's always it's always the boyfriend, and then he says um, <laughs> Stu says something like, "But what about motive?" And he said, before we get to that point, it was like, "Why would he kill his girlfriend?" And Randy says like quite loudly, "You never need a reason to kill your girlfriend." And there's <laughs> an extra behind him that's looking down and hears it and looks up like, <gasps> and just walks off. It's so funny, <laughs> but but. When we get towards the end of their conversation, Stu says, well, I think it's her dad. You know, what's going on with her pups? Like this, that and the other, which is so interesting because that's who they're trying to pin it on, you know, at the end. And then also uh, Billy says, well, what would the motive be? And uh, Randy says, it's the millennium. You know, motives are incidental, which is what they say at the end. Obviously, we find out that that Billy has got an actual motive that Stu didn't, wasn't even aware of. But as far as Stu knew, it was that they have no motive because that's scarier, you know? So they're actually telling, like, the whole plan before it's even revealed to us as an audience. Sarah? Which is why we never really thought it was them. Right. It's too obvious. Too obvious. Well, okay, so we go from there to to the party this is the whole end act of the movie now as we we get to the party gail gets in there and uh with dewey and she hides a camera in there and so that she can well she basically is uh thinking that she's gonna film the scoop of murders right (laughs) 
<laughs> what what's she gonna catch yeah she's hoping to to capture something gory at least and we're gonna have a there's a 30 second delay which is important obviously we get more about that later we're out of beer tatum will you grab some beers she another goes, scene that never leaves my head <laughs> right okay well talk, talk to us about it sarah so she goes to the garage she the beers in the fridge in the garage she gets the beers and then the door that she i don't remember she opened the garage door. i don't think she did she the door closes and it's locked she can't get back into the house so she goes to open the garage door and it opens but it only opens a little and then it like recloses so then oh ghost face is there so she thought it was who did she think it was I think she thinks Randy? it's Randy. They Randy. all seem to think it's Randy, don't they? <laughs> yeah. So she's having like full-on conversation with him, thinking it's Randy. And he won't let her pass to go back into the house. And then I don't remember what happened after that. I just I just the whole door thing, the beer you see the beer dropping. The the whole door like that's just I remember I was watching going oh yeah yeah it's happening again. <laughs> well, I think so he Ghostface grabs her arm because yeah she doesn't think it's real and just sort of slices down her arm oh, to right. be like this, this shit's real like I'm about to fuck you up. Um, <laughs> and, I mean doesn't say it like that but you know. <laughs> um, and then she's trying to escape and tries to go out like the cat flap or the dog flap or whatever get stuck halfway he just flips the switch and up she goes um now a couple things about this one it was it was never skeet or matthew lillard in the ghost face outfit it was always like i don't know you know a stump stump person or whatever and skeet Ulrich said to wes craven you've got to let me be in this costume once like i just i need to be in it one time and this was the scene where it was him where was Skeet Ulrich actually in, in there? Um, and then I listened to this other podcast uh, that I love called Hey, Do You Remember? And they covered Scream like years ago. And they brought this up. And ever since they brought it up, I can't ever unsee it now. But in this particular scene, um, her nipples are very uh clear to us as an audience right and they were they dominic where are we going well (laughs) they were saying that this must have been a a deliberate choice on the like as in that couldn't have been her actual nipples they must have put prosthetics in or something because surely firstly if she arrived on set for that scene someone might have been like you might want to, I don't know, do something. Um, put, a, put a cardi on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They tape. They tape them down. <laughs> right. Okay. So you might want to do that. Um, you know, because so they're thinking it's a deliberate choice. I mean, Sarah, you're in the industry uh, of you know, movie television. Do you think that this was a? They'd done this on purpose. This is a deliberate thing considering that it was probably done in multiple takes and it was there the whole time, I would say it was deliberate. Right. Okay. And then what are we trying to 
what result are we trying to get to just to excite <laughs> the 13 year old boys that are then going to call this a classic forever well i don't think 13 year olds were allowed to go see it what was the rating uh that's a good question I've, i don't I think reckon... it was pg-13 oh wait i've got i've got it here it's an 18 it's an 18 over here right it's an 18 which so that's that's as what's the highest rating you have there r rating r well i mean x but yes r (laughs) (laughs) okay so 18 i mean here to get an 18 now is crazy isn't it dom like most films would be a 15 like to get an actual 18 but i think it has to have the c word in it like once for it to be an 18 but other than that everything else is so that's why there was no blood in three so the 13 year olds could go to the movies right Mm. so one and two they couldn't they couldn't see it at the theater yeah 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 they didn't get to see them fake nipples so (laughs) (laughs) so tatum's gone um dom any comments on that kill scene um just desperate i i hadn't remembered it until it happened and again the back to the non-horror film kind of scenario in that she's just throwing these bottles they fight i love the fact that they fight they don't just give in and all of them so far have put up put up a fight and and do pretty well up until they meet their demise i just wish she managed to get through that door it's the shoulders you can't get your shoulders through a cat flap that easily and you know you think she's quite narrow and quite small she'd be able to squeeze through but no she gets she gets stuck bless her she did have some good choreography in the fighting with him. Yeah, yeah, it was very good. I enjoyed that scene. I actually thought it was really good. I, I, like, as soon as it came up, I was like, oh, yeah, she gets mangled in the door. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other than that, it was, uh, I was like, oh, she, she launches some, some beer at him as well. And I, I thought it was good. You know, the, it means that they're not infallible at all and, and that they can be hurt, um, but they just get away with it. They just manage to win, so... Well, to, to um, a point. speaking of winning, I guess, um, Sydney and Billy have sex. So Sydney, so Billy finally wins. Um, and, uh, but it's done, it's done at the, it's done while Randy's starting to give the rules. Um, so it's talking about, you know, you virgins survive, you know, if you have sex, you're dead. And that's sort of happening at the same time. Um, so Randy has put on it's the one with Jamie Lee Curtis as Halloween, right? Halloween, and uh, and they're all they're all loving it. And this is like an infamous part of the movie. Do you want to talk about it, Dom? No, just the fact that he's like behind you, Jamie. Behind, look behind you, Jim. The whole time, and it's just like you're just talking to yourself. It's fantastic. And and again, something I hadn't ever noticed because too young too dumb whatever and then getting to see it now was was really good and he's like oh yeah that's so that's really clever it's actually really clever and it's it's a great atmosphere when he's giving the rules you know he's like saying you know for uh you know never say i'll be right back and then you get uh matthew lillard saying i'm just gonna grab a beer anyone need anything yeah sure i'll be right back and like doing all (laughs) that like it's so it's so great um love that part and that's part of what's in the trailer is they're doing the rules and this that and the other so that's why another part i want to put that in there just with that with with him saying i'm gonna go and get a beer is that to check that billy's managed to kill tatum oh yeah it might be because you know you've got to go to the the garage to get the beer because it's for the fridges 
So does he go out there and is like, oh, nice, you mangled her in the doorway, see you later, you know. Right, though, though, if you watch it back, um, though I said it was Skeet Ulrich that's in the costume for filming it, it's actually played as if Stu killed her because wow. um, when, when Stu, when it flips back on the next scene, you actually see Stu look over to Billy like, job's done. Job's done. Uh... So I actually think it was meant to be that Stu had done it. Maybe he just went down there to... to maybe just get to... a beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been working hard tonight. Yeah. I've been like, oh, mangled. Nice. Grab the beer. <laughs> so so he's killed two of his girlfriends. Just, just to put it out there. Maybe that's why you don't trust him, Sarah. You always find him annoying. Um. Okay, so Dewey and Gay, will they go to look at an abandoned car? So we get some time with them sort of flirting. I like the line where Dewey says, do you know what constellation that is? And Gail says, no, what is it? And he said, I, I don't know, I was asking you. <laughs> I, I, I love Gail's mistrust in the scene. Gail does not trust him. And you can really tell. Because he's like, uh, she goes to get in the, the police car and she's like, no, no, I, I thought we'd walk because it's a nice night and all. And this immediate mistrust of, of Dewey, like, what's he going to do? Why is he? Why does he want to walk me to this, like, dark area where apparently a car's been sighted? It doesn't, this doesn't sit right. Um, so she doesn't trust him. She know, She thinks he's... Playing silly buggers is probably how my parents <laughs> would describe it. But yeah, is is he's he's he has potential to be the killer because yet again we we still don't know. Mm. We're, we're supposed to not know at this point still. Even yeah, Jamie Kennedy, um, Randy has told us already a thousand times who it is. <laughs> but that's right. He could be the killer. Gail could be because she's trying to create her own n- news story to uh, you know to to cover. Like it's so great that we just don't know who it is. Although um, at this point, I don't think you think he killed his sister. True. Well, she's not very nice to him. <laughs> I know, but you're not going to kill your sibling. We've all thought about it. Mm. <laughs> I'm not saying we haven't thought about it. I'm just saying. <laughs> We've got older siblings that are not nice. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, well, I won't speak on yours, Dom. That's I'm only kidding. I'm, only kidding. I'm not. He won't listen, so... but I'm only kidding. <laughs> Um, I'm sure she's fine. Uh, okay, so we Sydney, right? So they go and look, and then Sydney's in the room with Billy, and Billy gets stabbed. Now we now stabbed, yeah, and we now know. We now know. Obviously, we know that he doesn't actually get stabbed. Um, but now as audience members it's out of our mind that it could possibly be him you know that's the the the, the great move of having two killers but then uh sydney is is running in between the the different rooms and everything and then b- before by ghostface and then by Stu, and then goes out the window now did you ever notice that when she's in the room before she goes out the window that she, that's Stu's bedroom and it's got loads of weird shit in it, like to sort of show that he's like psychotic. Like there's like dolls, you know, like kids dolls and things hanging from string from like the ceiling and things. I, I did not notice. No, <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and watch it again. So, but they're, they're, that's like really good touches to like, because at that point, hello Luna, um, we didn't even know that he's the killer yet. 
Luna is now with us. So, <laughs> uh, right. Then Sydney comes, comes, uh, Dewey then goes into the house and, uh, he gets stabbed. And originally David Arquette was going to be killed off and he wasn't going to survive but he they he tested really well in the test screening, so they shot him going into the ambulance as like a pickup shot of like just in case we do a sequel, so we can bring him back. But originally he was meant to be killed off. Oh, right. Our cameraman friend unfortunately uh, bites it because of the thirty second delay. So, which technically that's his department. Yeah, I mean <laughs> he so forgot that it was. <laughs> I like that he has multiple uh, crisps, potato chips. You know, he has the Cheetos. He's got the Tostitos. Tostitos. Is there a D in there or a T? What is it? Tostitos. No D. Tostitos. This this bit really upsets me because, I, one, I want him to be safe. And I, want <laughs> him, I want him to live because, you know, Gal's not very nice to him. But, you know, he's he's a decent enough guy. But he shuts the van door. So Gail goes, okay, I'm going to go off with Dewey. We're going to go look over there, whatever. So it's like, okay, bye. Shuts the van door. Then in the next scene, the door's open and he has to shut it again. And it's just like, you wouldn't just sit with your feet up when that's going on, you know, with the door open. And he was right to to close it the first time and and unfortunately opened it again. But that's when like Sydney appears and it's all shit's kicking off and it's horrible. (laughs) And he gets his throat cut. And then, I guess, left on the roof. Because that later, when Gail's driving, he's, like, down. Oh. And she's still angry at him. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, get off my fucking windscreen. Like, it's not his choice anymore. <laughs> you know? Jeez, poor guy. Uh, Gail has the car crash, trying to get away from Ghostface. So we think that she's sort of gone. But obviously, you know... And now we get to the final climax. Billy falls down the stairs. He's still alive. Everything's going to be okay. Randy and Stu are arguing outside about who's the killer and what's happening. And she doesn't know who to trust. Closes the door. Fuck both of you. A bit harsh on Randy. She doesn't know at the time. But she has left him out there with a psychopath. Billy gets the gun. Randy comes in. And uh, bam, shoots him and at the same time quotes Psycho. Is it Psycho? I think it is. You know, we all go a bit crazy sometimes or mad sometimes. Someone's blowing up the comments underneath this because I've got that quote wrong. But, <laughs> right? Um, and there's the reveal. And then he goes, They he then goes into full crazy. Um, I mean, and then at this point, Stu comes in and now we're revealing that these are our two killers and we get the scene in the kitchen. And I think this might be the best scene in the movie, in my opinion, maybe. Because we then they then get to become full psychos. Um, and they're explaining what the motives are. Stu doesn't know that Billy's motive is that, you know, all this stuff to do with Sydney's mum. I, I love the way that Billy's basically got, like, the knife in his mouth. like, And he's, like, itching his head with the gun. It's also, like, there's just fucking crazy uh you know and and all the the delivery of all this stuff always stays with me you know did norman bates have a have a motive no did they decide why hannibal Lecter like eating people don't think so like all of that stuff can like run through my head at any given moment um and 
Nev Campbell does such a great job of just looking petrified during all of this. And then we get to the... Well, let me stop there for a second. Sarah, what did you think about the reveal and, you know, the, the talk about all the motives? No, I thought it was good. I mean, you saw... you you Well, and then we find out what else happens. But when they were talking... It, it's like they're scary movie freaks. And they're like, oh, we're just going to do this and whatever this killer did and this killer. And we'll just add it all together and we're not going to get in trouble. Because, you know, we're we're having fun killing everybody. They're going to make a movie about us. Yeah, they're so confident that they're going to get free. Uh, I mean, Dom, they're playing psychos really well. Yeah, they are. And uh, you've got the question, you know, should we play? Let's, let's play a game. We're going to play a game. And like Sydney's stuck in the corner of the kitchens. And the game is, we'll ask you a question. If you get it wrong, we'll kill you. If you get it right, well, we'll kill you. You know, and it's, you've got no choice. You're just, this is what's going to happen. And um, they're just absolute nutters. And the fact that they've, the plan to overcome all of this and get away with it is they've got to be hurt themselves. Um, and it's like, um, so Billy stabs Stu, might, maybe goes a bit too far. And then it's Billy's turn, uh, then it's Stu's turn, sorry, to stab Billy. Billy's not too happy about it. It, He doesn't look like he goes that far in, you know, but Billy's upset about it. But then Billy just stabs him twice, like two more times. Like, come on. It's like, I think I'm losing a lot of blood, man. Yeah. I'm getting woozy here, man. <laughs> it's just crazy. It is just yeah. And then obviously we've got the the reveal of the dad. The dad is there. Well, just to say on, on just before we get to that, to say about them stabbing each other, what's great and what people don't do anymore is we don't really see any of it. A lot of it, the camera is actually focused on Sydney, and you can just hear them stabbing each other. I know you can kind mm. of see bits, but if it was today, you'd have to see it going in and all the rest of it. And it's actually, I prefer it that way and let your imagination do it. But yeah, and it's the whole one-upmanship when Billy's like, Give me the knife. And Stu's like, no. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. And Billy already had all the syrup on him. Mm. So when you look at Stu, who was clean, and then how many times he got stabbed with all the blood on his sweater, and then Billy's was like, a little blood added in with the syrup. Yeah, great. So cool. you think Billy really got more stabbed, but he didn't. Yeah. I also wanted to know how they were going to explain the corn syrup on his shirt when the police came, if they, would, if they were going to get away with this. But we've got questions like that at the end. But, yeah, they bring out Sydney's dad. He'd been kidnapped, like, the whole time. And the point is, is they're going to frame him. They put the cell phone in his uh, pocket as well as the voice changer. Stu doesn't have gloves on. Uh, I was thinking this as well. Yeah, they need to That needs to be cleaned off and put in. But, you know... Maybe they were going to do this once everyone was dead. Who knows? Um, and then Gail comes in and she's got the gun but doesn't realise it's on safety. She gets pushed into like a, a post at the front. That's sort of her done. Lands on Dewey. And that's sweet. That's nice. Uh, <laughs> and at this point, Sydney has managed to escape with her dad. And she calls the landline. And this is just some of my favourite parts. This probably is my favourite part of the whole movie is when Stu's like, uh, you know, 
did you really call the police? She's like, yeah, you know, they're coming. She's like, my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Billy hitting him with the phone. He's like, don't hit me with the phone, dick. Like, <laughs> the, all of them lines were improvised uh, by Matthew Lillard um, in the moment. And uh, he has said publicly that he is aware that he was overacting and whatever in these moments um but i again i think that it's perfect it just brings more light to it um because especially because billy's being so crazy um yeah what did you guys think yeah uh, yeah i totally agree i think he he brings again that kind of element that you you want to watch and um he is the perfect kind of counter or like opposite number to Billy, who is just this weird, steely psycho person. But I, I enjoyed it. I thought he was good. And he was consistent the whole time. He was over the top the whole entire consistent three throughout the movie. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Well, Sydney then stabs uh, Billy with an umbrella a few times. So he's sort of down. At this point, Stu goes crazy um and they're fighting and he ends up being killed with a tv over his head now (laughs) well now just to say the original script for scream 2 was going to be that Stu matthew lillard didn't die and he was in prison and he'd got some sort of like cult status and the next wave of ghost faces were actually under his uh command or order from prison but obviously that never never manifested interesting and then finally uh gail does shoot uh billy because you know he sort of comes back and then finally sydney shoots him in the head oh and randy gets uh punched for good measure um but also comes back and then that kind of wraps it up gail then sort of does the story from outside and that that's kind of it that's that's how it's left and dewey into the ambulance and do into the ambulance, yeah. So that is Scream. Let's talk about our judgments and we'll be able to hit on, you know, certain points. Just to say, if you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast and what, Dom? How could you not? Then please help us out. Check us out, ravenshoops.net. Why, Dom? Because basketballs go through. Hoops. But Sarah, they also go through. Nets. <laughs> ravenshoops.net. Sarah, who is your favourite performer of Scream? Um, I liked everyone. I'll go. I'm going to go with Nev Campbell. Okay. Well, she is she because is it was it was a it was a big. I knew her from Party of Five, and it was such a different character from what she had played, what I had known her for, that. It was like the next level for her. Nice. And Dom? Uh, I've got to give it to Drew. He's got to go to Drew Barrymore, right? It's got to. And um, just the fact that, again, I've only ever seen Drew in E.T. or rom-coms. So to see Drew playing uh, Screamy Victim at the beginning of this film was was really, (laughs) really good. So, yeah, Drew Barrymore. Uh, What about you, mate? Good call. Uh, I'm going to go with Matthew Lillard just because I just love all of his moments. Every scene he's in, I love. (laughs) Sarah, what about your favourite character? 
I think I'm going to go with Stu. As crazy as he was, I think he just brought something to the movie that it, it kind of it needed. It needed that like comedic, stupid relief. Yeah, good call, Dom. Uh, I think I'm going to pick Randy. I, I knew Randy it. Was, was it. <laughs> Randy sees all and knows what's going on, and yeah, that resonates with me a little bit. So yeah, Randy, what about you? Randy equals Dom. Uh, <laughs> I really like Randy. It would be between Randy and Stu, uh, but I'm going to go with Stu for the same reasons, Sarah, and for things I've already said. Uh, what about, did you guys get a background performer, one line or less, Sarah? I don't think so. Dom? Say, say who yours are, and I'll, I'll jump on that bandwagon. <laughs> I got the I got the two kids in um, the principal's office who don't yeah. they don't say anything but they they have their mask kind of cut up and they get expelled or they they object to being expelled but it doesn't really get any further than that. Um, yeah, they kind of just give a oh what yeah. yeah. So it's we'll have one of them each if you want, Sarah. Or I'll take Wes Craven in the um, hallway. Oh, that's the ultimate one. That's of the course. ultimate one. I want that one in his one. Freddy Krueger sweater. Yeah, I go for Freddy Krueger sweater. Where's Craven? As Fred. <laughs> As Fred. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take the woman in the video store that overheard <laughs> Randy saying about this. There's always a good reason to kill your girlfriend. <laughs> uh, what about your favorite song, Sarah? Or you can take the score if if you. That's... I de- I I definitely noticed. I'm gonna. I'll take the score only because I did notice it was different from other horror movies that were that i watched before before this nice and dom um like i said it before um don't fear the reaper was in there that's a really really good song but it was like a like a slower kind of acoustic version that i hadn't heard before uh, like obviously only from the film but there is a song called red right hand that is played and it's played twice in the film um, at different points, I can't quite remember the points, but it's the now used as the theme song to the Peaky Blinders program, mm. and that was in this film. So I'll go with that. Nice. And did you? You're going to pick the score. Well, I really enjoy the score. <laughs> I really enjoy the score. So it has to be. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to editing the score into this for the intro and outro. So yeah, nice. And then favorite line, Sarah? I don't know. I thought they all were good. <laughs> Anytime they quoted a movie. Okay, That's we'll good. take it. Nice. Dom? Uh, you hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish. <laughs> Classic. This that's you, what I say to you when I'm FaceTiming you. Well, I don't answer. So. <laughs> that, yeah. But that's what I'm saying, what I'm practicing for yeah. if you do answer. <laughs> Uh, and yours mine's got to be don't hit me with the phone dick (laughs) (laughs) so good so good and then last but not least uh well we normally do we do the ratings differently on movies but let me sorry let me get that anyway the precious precious rating so we do (laughs) we do two we don't have to agree on them it's just your own you have a subjective and an objective so subjective what it means to you personally nostalgia or just whatever out of 10 and then objective looking at it from 2022 
film critic eyes. Uh, Sarah, what would your two ratings be? Um, I think objective will be 10. Great. I, it's just it, it it's interesting like when I had seen it at the age I saw it at and watching it this many years later just like what came back and then the other rating hmm, let's say nine. Ah, oh, so both both I, really I, yeah high. both high they're pretty high and we know famously, you know, you go relatively, you go low on the ratings for One Tree Hill. You're on Dom's <laughs> camp, so that only because means... I do fillers. Yeah, you're only you're only there for filler episodes. Get me on a good episode. <laughs> so you could say that Scream is definitely not filler. It's a not filler. Scream One is not filler. <laughs> Just like Nightmare on Elm Street One, not filler. Nice, nice, and Dom. Um, I think subjectively, uh, it just reminds me of, again, watching films at your house, um, um, watching the, the trilogy when it was just a trilogy. And I guess we would have watched the fourth one when that came out as well. So it's probably a 10 for me. And objectively, I'm going to give it an eight. Um, Still high. A fair score. There's, you know, really good references, really funny moments. Um, it's actually there's actually some really silly moments as well. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the film. And what about you, Sam? Nice. Well, yeah, it, this movie reminds me of you. It reminds me of my dad. It just reminds me of just really enjoying this um, and enjoying the others, the other movies as well. They definitely don't hold a light to this one in terms of the same quality but i enjoyed them still um so yeah subjectively it's definitely a 10 objectively i feel high on it it's probably like a nine or maybe even a 10 because i i because i don't know what i would change about it like i don't know what i could say add that and it would make it better like i don't think that exists for this movie at this time in this genre i think it's pretty pretty much perfect for what i would want from it um so <laughs> there you go well it's been great to to discuss this uh with you both i've really enjoyed it I'd like to say a special thank you uh to you sarah in having you know getting drew to do the intro uh it's absolutely outstanding and humbling and we're incredibly grateful to you and to drew for doing it uh so thank you so much now um, i just have to have her listen to the podcast Oh God! <laughs> that tell would... her four, so she knows we're doing it. <laughs> Just tell her who I picked as my favorite. Uh, <laughs> that's all. That's all. We, that's all she needs to worry about. <laughs> I think on the is it this is her face right on the front of the Blu-ray? I think I it don't is. think so. No, mm. but that's that's not Nev Campbell. And I just think it's. It's just a generic. I don't think it's anybody. Well, she's right there screaming into the phone on the back. But, uh, <laughs> crazy, crazy. Well, um, yeah, this was great. We'll end on... How do we end the movie ones? Don't we just end them? <laughs> we just, Thanks very much. Everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say... Uh, what, should we, what can we say on free? Let's say... 
that's scream. That's scream. Scream. That's that's gut. Yeah. Let's say on three, your best uh, ghost face impression of gutting people like a fish. We'll go one, two, one, two, three. Gut you like a fish. Yeah. Okay. Sarah, you look nervous. Don't be nervous. <laughs> like you want us to do it in his voice? Yeah. Hell yeah. In unison, but because of all the delays, because we're all in three different places, it will all be out of order and it will sound perfect. A, a perfect mess. <laughs> Count us in, Dom, in the screen, in the ghost face voice, please. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. <laughs> One, two, three. I've got oh, you like a fish. You like a fish. 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 <laughs> <laughs>